the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 165 for July 26th, 2009. Big gains for AT&T and Verizon, iPhones becoming increasingly cheaper, and mmm, Google has donuts. My name is Mickey Papillon. I'm Joey Coppice. And first today, thanks to our sponsor, Netflix. Help support the cell phone junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial. Plans from $4.99 per month with over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want with no late fees ever. Free shipping both ways. Free delivery in about one business day. Cancel anytime. And as a bonus to those DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet for no extra charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial of Netflix. And Joey, my movie of the week this week from Netflix is going to be Ocean's 13. I hadn't seen that one. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I decided that Ocean's 13 was, uh, was, was needed to, to kind of move up on the list uh, in the queue for the Netflix. And I, I bumped it up and actually brought it in. And we watched it last night. And boy, if you are an Ocean's 11 fan and uh, you enjoy kind of that Las Vegas casino heist type, you know, movie, you know, the, the, the original is from, I think, back in the 60s when they first did that movie. And, and you know, the remake with uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt and the crew. I mean, it's, it was a really good movie. Ocean's 12 really fell short, I thought. But Ocean's 13, they did just a great job with and I really enjoyed it. So I don't that's kind of my pick for this week. That's what I watched and, uh, last night and really enjoyed it. I never saw that one, but I did like uh, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, this week, Mickey, I've been watching on the the Roku because uh, I almost do almost exclusively, uh, you know, over the internet uh, streaming of, of Netflix now DVDs. I barely uh, send those things in anymore. But uh, uh, Dead Like Me from HBO, been watching that show. It's kind of uh, from a few years ago. They had a couple seasons of it. It's uh, something pretty entertaining right now for the summer, uh, the, the slow summer uh, TV season. Yeah, I mean, and that's just it. I mean, what a perfect time to get into a Netflix trial. I mean, you can, it, it's, it's a no commitment type thing. And every time you sign up just for that free trial, it helps out the show. So if you're looking to find a way to fill the time on your, you know, your nights or your weekends or whatever it is, because the new stuff isn't out, give it a try. Just sign up for a free trial. And it, it certainly helps us out. Uh, we certainly appreciate your support, like I said, and uh, we will keep talking about it because they've been a great sponsor so far, and hopefully they'll stick with us. So next, uh, we posted this week, The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, show number 26, and uh, it was a show with Rob Walsh and myself. Joey was uh, traveling, and we talked about uh, the latest in the Apple iPhone 3.0 software and the iPhone 3GS. We also talked about how you can jailbreak your iPhone and talked about jailbreaking why it's good and what it can do, opening up the possibilities for what currently is still not available for the iPhone. So some fun stuff related to the iPhone. I know, I know, iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. But this one was specifically with Rob Walsh, who runs the Today in iPhone podcast and does a great job with that. So we talked kind of all about, you know, different things that he's seen and what he's, you know, into and, and stuff like that. So uh, it was great to have Rob on there. So check that one out. You can access it over at the cell phone junkie. Dot com. And next, we want to say congratulations to our winner of the Richard Solo contest. We've got the Richard Solo uh, battery for iPhone, 1200 milliamp hour battery here. The entry is from Amir. And Amir says, hi, Mickey and Joey, just writing in uh, for the battery backup contest. The worst place I've ever had my iPhone die on me was right before a flight from Calgary to Toronto. I had, of course, plugged in my iPhone in the night before, uh, but earlier that day, I had unplugged the USB cable from the end of my computer, so of course it didn't charge. Since then, I've made it a habit of making sure it actually shows 
as charging before I go to bed. Thanks, guys. Love both the regular and unlocked shows. Amir. Well, Amir, please send me your email address uh, to questions at, or send me an email to questions at the cellphonejunkie.com and let me know of your address and I will send you out the Richard Solo battery. Thanks to everyone for participating and of course thanks to Richard Solo for their support of the show with this giveaway. So check them out over at richardsolo.com. And uh, next here, I wanted to talk briefly about a service that I've been trying. For those that enjoy services that stream music to you online or over your phone, know that there's a couple of them out there. You obviously have the Pandora service, which has been around for quite a while. And one that I found recently back at CTIA in April was one called Slacker Radio. And Slacker is very similar to Pandora in that it allows you to stream music from various, I guess, compilations of artists that are put together based on genre and and likes and dislikes and stuff like that. And what Slacker has done is they've put together a Slacker Radio Plus package that I I think you should also try out as well. There's a free seven-day trial of this, and they're actually not a sponsor of the show, but I wanted to talk about it just because I I think it's pretty cool. You can get the free service, which gives you uh, basically access to listening to the music, but they put in uh, some ads in different places where you are listening to, you know, let's say six songs, and then you'll get like a 10-second ad. Uh, You can also only skip up to six songs at a time, or it's per hour, I guess, per, per station that you're listening to. And uh, so there's some limitations with that. With this Radio Plus service that they have, it's $4 a month, and it gives you no ads, unlimited skips. You get complete song lyrics to all the songs that you're listening to, and uh, unlimited song requests as well. So you can create custom stations for things that you're looking to put together. It's really, really cool. You get a free seven-day trial if you want to check it out. And I, I find the quality to be to be superior to that of Pandora. So if you're a Pandora fan and you're using it to maybe stream in your car or at your home or something like that, this will give you much better quality. I think this is up to 128 kbps. So it's it's much better in my opinion. Interesting. Do, do, you, do you stream it over a computer or the cell phone or both? I primarily use it on the iPhone. I've got uh, an iPhone, uh, or I've got the application on there, and what I do is I hook it up to my car stereo and drive down the road and listen to basically all these you know, stations that are created for me, and it streams it very, very smoothly. There's never really any buffering, any skipping, anything like that. They do a good job of kind of managing the data throughput, so I, I do like it for that. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. So anyway, check this one out. Like I said, they're not a sponsor, but give them a, you know, give it a try. Again, it's a seven day free trial if you want, or at least check out the free player that they have. If you're into online music streaming, I think you're going to really like this one. So anyway, let's jump into news. Enough with that. First today, we're going to talk about Terrastar. Terrastar had been announced earlier this year uh, that they were going to be coming out with a cellular phone that could also take advantage of the cellular, um, or the, the, excuse me, a satellite phone that takes advantage of the cellular systems that are on the land. And Terrastar announced that it had completed its first set of phone calls using the Terrastar 1 satellite hybrid phones that they put together. They launched a satellite earlier in the year, and it has reached its geosynchronous orbit and deployed its arms. I guess that's what they were waiting for. The technology partners will offer hybrid cellular phones that will use land-based cellular networks for voice and data when a network is present, but can seamlessly hand off the Terrastar satellite communication system if and when the cellular network is not available. They have Windows-based smartphones for the system that are relative in size and shape to their cellular-only cousins. Terrastar has also received certifications for its operations by the FCC. 
FCC. So I thought this was a pretty interesting one to kind of start out the show because what's you know great about this is you you've got a lot of areas still where you're still kind of you know out and about and you just don't have service and satellites what fills that void. It does, and we uh, we had talked to these guys at CTIA, and it was a pretty interesting concept. They seemed uh, pretty friendly about it and pretty excited about it. And uh, the the Windows Mobile phone was basically a pretty normal size phone, and just ran off uh, the AT and T network. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably still the same way. Um, so basically, it's probably mostly going to be on GSM. But of course, in the time when you're out in the uh, middle of nowhere, you'll have the satellite signal. Obviously, not something for everybody. Not everybody needs to have satellite, you know, as a backup to wherever they're going. And they're still limited in the number of handsets. Obviously, we're talking about Windows Mobile-based smartphones. The one that we saw looked very much like the Q9. So if you're familiar with the Motorola Q, it looked very similar to that. And you're going to probably look at, you know, some growing pains to start out with. But it looks like they're kind of getting getting their feet wet and, and getting going. So if you're in the U.S., keep an eye on these guys if you're looking for coverage in places that may be remote. Yep, and obviously this is good for uh, you know uh, government agencies and uh, you know first responders, uh, you know the, that that sort of uh, uh, the, the higher need area in emergency situations. Yeah, there's there's always the possibility that the networks can be overloaded in situations. I mean, we see it pretty much uh, you know regularly when we're talking about situations that happen around the country, and uh, those networks get overloaded. People have to offload and use different types of things. So this would be something that they could. So anyway, good news for TerraStar that they're getting their feet wet, made their first set of phone calls. And things are moving forward. Well, Apple announced their earnings for the third quarter of 2000, their fiscal third quarter of 2009 this week, and the numbers looked phenomenal for them. 5.2 million iPhones were sold in the quarter with 10.2 million iPods. Uh, They also sold 2.6 million Macs. We're not really caring too much about that, but just a a phenomenal number there to see that 5.2 million iPhones in just that first quarter. Just as a reference, that's a 626% growth over a year. Jeez. (laughs) That's that's something that anyone that in in any any business anywhere would be just absolutely floored by. So great news for Apple. And in the uh, global economy, being the state that it's in, that's that's. Uh, basically uh unbelievable yeah and you know they're, they're they're just doing what they do well and that's making products and innovating and you know continuing on the success of products that work for them and guess what that iphone has done so so good news for them 100 or excuse me 1.23 billion dollars in profits uh that's up from 1.19 in q3 of 2008 8.3 billion in sales that's just whew, big numbers well, we also talked to back in CTIA with a group called Zero One, or Zero One, I guess is the, the way that it's pronounced. Well, a new investigative report by the IDG News Service has said that the progress of the MVNO's Zero One launching service and the viability of the technology and business model, as well as the ethics and backgrounds of its executives, may be under fire. Zero One Mobility initially announced plans to offer unlimited national wireless voice and data service for $70 per month using the networks of unidentified GSM carrier partners. Now they're partnered with the company called Global Verge, who is marketing the service under the Buzzerk brand. AT&T and T-Mobile both deny working with the service, and no other carriers would offer a national GSM footprint. Zero One claims that patent-pending technology called Veritable Mobile Convergence enables the relatively cheap unlimited service, but IDG cannot find any records of such patents. IDG also reports that some of the executives of the Zero One company have criminal records and ties to pyramid schemes. Zero One's only conferred business activity to date has been to sign up sales reps, which they claim to have about 50,000, 
and charge them fees. Zero One missed its own July 1st launch date and has told sales reps that phones will sell or to sell will be available in weeks. Wireless industry analyst Jack Gold of J Gold Associates says that the technology and business plan just don't make sense. So this is something that, like I said, we talked about at CTIA and we're actually pretty uh, pretty interested in, but it, it seemed that there were some flaws in the plan as far as the technology of being able to make unlimited phone calls over the data networks of GSM partners and how could this possibly work if they were not in a 3G area. And it looks like uh, there's some other things that may be <laughs> causing this company to crumble. Well, do you remember the shady answer we received and uh, how slimy the, the, you know, they really kind of seemed? I mean... No straight answer whatsoever because we kept asking questions and oh no well uh, no yeah, yeah I mean it just it was too it yeah it, it you know when you hear something that's too good to be true it, it often is and boy uh, I would say uh, steer clear for this until we can get this uh, proven because uh, this looks pretty uh, dangerous and and it probably is a pyramid scheme and somehow service is probably being. Uh, redirected through personal accounts of their sales reps is what I have a feeling. Uh, they're going to provide service to quote unquote customers uh, and the qu- customers will be the sales rep through their own phones, making own calls to a network that's probably late, you know, uh, riddled with ads or something that just doesn't sound good. <laughs> doesn't sound good at all. No. And I mean, when you think about the idea of making phone calls that, you know, it, it's not that it takes a lot of data, but it requires obviously low latency and it requires for that signal to be constant. And uh, even though services such as Skype have, have really kind of increased in their quality, they're still not perfect. And I don't think that a company like this can, can seriously sustain this with the current networks that are out there, especially on the GSM side here in the U.S. No, and you need a back-end switch network to complete those phone calls in, in most cases. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just watch this one. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, bad news for them. So, um, zero one may not be around for too much longer here. Well, Ericsson has entered the bidding for Nortel's CDMA and LTE networking assets by offering $730 million for them. A spokeswoman for Ericsson said that they're always looking for opportunities that can be of interest for Ericsson or create value for them, and they participate in the process to the point of it making sense. Other companies that have placed bids for the Nortel assets include the Nokia Siemens Networks at $650 million and private investors MPAM Wireless at $750 million. The auction is set to take place this coming week. Well, Windows Mobile is losing ground to Android, according to AdMob. Their mobile metrics for June say that Android is increasing in the growth and has finally surpassed Windows Mobile. The Android operating system has grown 25% month over month and now gives Android a 5% worldwide operating system share and have pulled ahead of Windows Mobile. You know, this is one of the things that I kind of knew was coming, but I didn't really know when it was going to happen. And I believe this kind of proves the point that consumer adoption of Android has really been key in its success. Because when you look at the platform right now, it's essentially got one handset that's been out for any amount of time, the G1. You've got a number of handsets that are coming online, a lot of focus on them, specifically phones like the Hero and the MyTouch 3G coming to T-Mobile here, that people are really starting to get behind them. Uh, and Windows Mobile is kind of slowly slipping away as people stop remembering you know, what phones are Windows Mobile and why would they choose them when there's all these other devices that they can go to and really have had very little as far as upgrades recently. So Windows Mobile sitting at 4%, Android now at 5%. Uh, some of the other players, 7% is the RIM or BlackBerry operating system, the Symbian OS at 34%, 
and topping them all at 47%, the iPhone OS. Now, granted, this is smartphones, smartphone requests, and uh, this is uh, basically worldwide. So this is looking at the number of smartphone requests that are out there. So kind of an interesting thing, Joey. I, I don't know. I, I like seeing numbers like this, though, because it gives the little guys some hope, you know? Yeah, it's uh, amazing. I am, I mean, with the number of Windows mobile devices and how many years we've had Windows mobile devices out there, how, I mean, I, I, I barely believe that. That almost seems impossible. But, of course, you know, Android is a, is a good browsing platform. So, I mean, it lends itself to, to a lot more browsing taking place on it. Yeah, and there's, you know, th- this is worldwide. If you go kind of drill down into what you would see for the U.S., I mean, it's even more. Uh, the iPhone is up to 64%. The RIM OS is almost, you know, uh, what about a third of what it would be worldwide. It's down to 14%. Or excuse me, I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of mixed up my little numbers there. The RIM OS is up to 14%, where it was at the, uh, at the 7% mark worldwide. 14% in the U.S., Android up to 9%, Windows Mobile at 6%. Palm OS at 3%, uh, the Hip Top or Sidekick OS at 3%, and uh, you've got a, basically no room at all there for Symbian. No one really asked for Symbian here in the U.S. So that's, that's kind of a, a very telling thing. But just kind of looking at that, it's, it's interesting to see how different it is, yet very much the same when you look at the smartphones here across the world. So interesting stats nonetheless. Next here, in-flight calling could be coming soon to Mexico. Uh, according to a report from the Mexican FCC equivalent, the Secretaria de Comunicaciones y Transportes, or the SCT, is approving cell phones en masse for flights anywhere in the nation. This cancels an earlier decision that was made in 2001 banning the use, and the Mexico's federal government has said that it has not, set, has not yet approved things but it's expected to take a look at it in the very near future here. So you could be saying hola on your next flight down south. Next here, AT&T is revamping all of its company-owned stores. AT&T announced they completed a redesign of all company-owned stores across the U.S. The biggest change will affect customers is now that all cell phones will be displayed in cases with power, meaning customers can test working models of the phone side-by-side to see how they work and test out the features. AT&T said it is rolling out the availability of netbooks from AT&T across the country after uh, what it calls two successful trials in Philadelphia and Atlanta. AT&T will offer netbooks for a low price with a new two-year data agreement, and it will be doing this at 2,200 stores across the country. Uh, Dummy phones, why do they exist, Mickey? That is one (laughs) of my biggest pet peeves. I mean, you don't go to a car dealership uh, for, for, for the most part. I mean, some cars you can't test drive, but to be able to just kind of look at the outside of the car and not even be able to sit inside the car. That's just not that that just isn't the way it works. You've got to be able to see powered devices. So I, I, uh, that's the way it should be. And and it's, it's gotta be, you know, after a certain amount of time, uh, you you figure that they've, they've figured this out. Um, obviously certain places, dummy phones, I think are okay, but not in the company owned stores. And I say certain places, how about in a, you know, at a, at a, kiosk in a shopping center where you're looking at you know phones and they're kind of out in the open they may not feel very comfortable with having real phones sitting out there but then again still you're wanting to sell them how is someone going to make a good decision off if they can't use it no it really i mean obviously keeping even service on it costs a lot more but you know you, you almost have to have an active phone there just to see how it works mm-hmm well, good news, though, for AT&T, potential new customers that they'll be able to go and look at these new phones at the stores when they go in there. AT&T posting one of the best spring quarter results ever 
credited mostly to the iPhone 3GS launch. The company said that it added 1.2 million cell phone subscribers, an all-time high for the spring quarter, and activated 2.4 million iPhones between April and the end of June. That number, of course, ties in with the launch of the iPhone 3GS during that quarter, and it is considered a record as the iPhone 3GS and $99 iPhone 3G were available for less than two weeks in that period for the results that were covered. Uh, The average total revenue per user, or ARPU, climbed to $60.21. Subscriber churn or turnover uh, has reached a low of 1.09%. About one-third of all iPhone customers in that period were new to AT&T as well. The wireless data revenue jumped 37.2% compared to a year ago and is up to now $3.4 billion. So good news there for AT&T in their results. Also, AT&T reportedly changing the pay-per-use data rates. Effective July 31st, 2009, AT&T will be changing how they charge for the data pay-per-use. Currently, they're charging $0.01 per kilobyte of data. The new rate will change to $2 per megabyte. So that's about $0.002 per kilobyte. That charge is rounded up, and if you go just over one megabyte, you'll pay for two. So it's very similar to how minutes are rounded. Uh, But a very good thing if you're looking to just get minimal amounts of data, say to maybe pull down email or whatnot, obviously not browsing the web because that money will rack up very quickly. Uh, But the new pricing for for postpaid activations and existing postpaid customers who change their voice rate plans or downgrade from the data MRC plans to the pay-per-use plans. Uh, So that's when you'll get that rate. So could be a good thing for you if you're looking to maybe drop the data that you have on your smartphone, but still want to have it available. You can now get it at a pay-per-use rate uh, for a little bit cheaper. You just have to make sure that you monitor it. On the Verizon side, it announced Friday 1.1 million new subscribers in the second quarter. That's fewer than the 1.4 we just reported from rival AT&T, but still, both companies still doing very well, seeing numbers that are increasing, uh, unlike other companies that are out there. Verizon Wireless informed the governmental agencies this week that it will shorten the period of time that it will have as an exclusive seller of certain handsets. Verizon said that it will restructure its agreements with handset manufacturers, which will allow smaller regional carriers with less than 500,000 customers the opportunity to sell the handsets after an exclusive period of six months. Smaller carriers have petitioned the government to look into the exclusivity contracts and say that the larger the, the, they give the larger carriers a competitive advantage over the smaller ones. The federal government is currently reviewing the practice. This one will just be a constantly evolving thing because even if Verizon says that they're only going to keep an exclusive on for six months on a phone, that may not be good enough for some small carrier and they're going to possibly you know, argue it based on the number of subscribers that they have, saying that they may not be a, a potential problem to them as a competitor. Yeah, it's a tough one to it's a tough one to call. I talked about this I think last week, Mickey. It's there's no real good answer for this. And and now that you know, I, I think about it, does Verizon ever have exclusive contracts on phones over six months? Uh, I mean, maybe the storm, I guess that would be the one um In the that they've US, had running yeah. um for a year. But uh um other than that, yeah, they really don't usually they don't have that. Usually they get the device is real late in the game. So by that time other carriers have had, already had exclusives like Sprint. Uh, on a lot of the devices Mm -hmm. and then they'll get something like the diamond like they just rolled out the original diamond here what a couple of months ago which came out to sprint last august maybe september 18 years ago yeah (laughs) long time ago right so you have to you have to really keep a you know keep an eye on how they're you know what phones are actually talking about here but nonetheless i think it's good that they're at least trying to come back at the rca and say look we're willing to work with them 
and give you know smaller exclusives to help out the little guys. So anyway, uh, also the RCA has said that it will not uh, like or accept Verizon's offer to limit the exclusive handset deals to just six months, stating that it's encouraged uh, that they are looking at it, but the commitment does not go far enough to rectify the consumer and competitive harms caused by these agreements. Uh, more than $180 million of the nation's wireless carriers are unable to benefit from the new policy. Verizon said that it would hold on to the phones for six months, and which, of course, we just mentioned, the subscribers, uh, uh, providers with less than 500,000 subscribers would be able to get those handsets at that point. Um, so we'll see. Uh, they're obviously not real happy about it at this point. I don't know. I, I really, I, I think, I think looking at the situation, I think Verizon is, is doing something good by saying that they're going to let, you know, providers with less than 500,000 take a look at getting these devices. I, I they're just kind of getting greedy though. And, um, I don't know. Well, I guess it'll be up to the FCC to make this decision and then we can all move on with our lives and not have to worry about it. So, Anyway, Verizon Wireless also feeling pressure from the government and a proposed change to current laws regarding roaming. As the law stands right now, carriers are not required to provide roaming services to competitive entities that own spectrum in a given market but have yet to build out the network. Smaller carriers have complained that this hurts their customers who won't be able to roam into these regions and we will, will be left without service. Verizon says that it will support legislation that requires it to provide roaming services in this type of circumstance, provided the requirement lasts no longer than two years. A letter was sent to several senators, and it is the second olive branch extended by Verizon Wireless to the last week to appease those concerned about competition in the marketplace. So again, Verizon taking the high road, I guess, on this one and saying that it will propose that this uh, go through, but will just maybe take a little bit more time, and uh, they'll be able to do it, but only for two years. So... Sprint's news today, today, uh, or today, this week, I should say, Clearwire announced that WiMAX services will go live in Las Vegas starting on August 1st. Access plan starting at $20 per month. Samsung also said that the WiMAX-enabled Mondi mobile internet device will also be available there on the 1st of August. So if you're looking to just get yourself kind of a mobile internet device, that Mondi is a nice-looking one. And coinciding with this announcement in Vegas, Sprint announced that it will partner with Clearwire to bring WiMAX to Atlanta and Portland in the month of August. Sprint also expects to have Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Dallas, Fort Worth, Honolulu, Philadelphia, and Seattle all live with WiMAX by the end of the year. Combination of 3G, CDMA, and WiMAX laptop top dongles will be offered in those markets with data plans starting at $20. And Sprint says that the WiMAX offers peak download speeds of 10 megabits per second with average speeds ranging between three and six. Well, Sprint's CDMA, CDMA network and Boost's IDEN network are now possible. There's a hurdle that customers have been facing in attempting to swap from a CDMA handset on the Sprint network over to a Boost uh, IDEN device. Despite the fact that Boost is a wholly owned subsidiary, uh, a flip of the switch is not as simple as it sounds, and this is no longer a problem. On July 23rd, so this past week, account services will support the CDMA postpaid customers who want to move to an IDEN Boost uh, device. Uh, Sprint subsidiary offers the prepaid service starting at $50 per month for unlimited voice and text messages. However, limitations on uh, in the past have, have not allowed this to happen. So if you want to take advantage of this, you have to take to, uh, meet the following conditions. Your Sprint account must be current, not in a past due or hotline or suspended status, and be aware of the standard early termination fee that will still apply to the Sprint account if you're still under your contract. So it's good news, I guess, if you're looking to get out of your Sprint service and want to move over to Boost. 
Radio Shack agrees to sell T-Mobile devices. T-Mobile USA announced that it will be reaching a distribution agreement with Radio Shack beginning this summer. Radio Shack will begin selling the T-Mobile devices and services at the 4,000 locations around the country. T-Mobile said that the agreement nearly doubles the number of non-T-Mobile stores selling its goods and services, and Radio Shack is now T-Mobile's largest national retail partner. RIM and Apple holding 3% of the entire wireless market, but 35% of the profits. Deutsche Bank analyst Brian Modoff fed the figures to the Wall Street Journal this week, saying that it speaks volumes for the effectiveness of both RIM and Apple strategies, and the two companies have 3% of the global cell phone market, which doesn't seem like much, but when you talk about operating profits, the number jumps to 35%. So good news uh, if you're interested in either of those companies. They are making a lot of money with those devices. Apple and Verizon rumored to be partnering up for an internet tablet. Very, very, very much a rumor at this point. But uh, if you're an Apple fan, you've, of course, been kind of following the fact that we are looking at possibly an internet tablet coming from the company either late 2009 or early 2010, maybe even an announcement at Macworlds, uh, possibly. And what we were constantly wondering, though, is how can they do this and bring it down to a price point that's somewhat manageable for the customer out there? Well, partnering with a provider may be that way to do it. They can get a couple hundred dollars off it in a subsidy by tying you into a two-year data contract by doing this. We'll just happen to see what what happens with this. But I guess it's kind of good news for the Apple fans out there or those that are looking for a tablet. Well, it's the same reason that iPhone's so successful, because if they were trying to sell uh, an unlocked iPhone at the unsubsidized price, I mean, it would be around the $800 mark, and I can imagine they wouldn't be selling nearly as many iPhones as they do right now. Um, it just wouldn't happen. Um, and, you know, same thing for a tablet. If they put out, uh, you know, a tablet computer, it just wouldn't sell nearly as much if it didn't have that subsidized price, because people see the, the initial dollar... And obviously with a tablet, you know, having the internet connection, like having it on the iPhone, it makes for a much more enjoyable device. Certainly you could have a tablet without a dedicated, you know, data connection on it, um, you know, like a, a 3G connection, but it's, it's, it's not the same really. I mean, yeah, there's Wi-Fi hotspots everywhere, but, but, you know, having the coverage basically wherever you go, it, it, it's a different device. But then at the same time, you get it for a much cheaper price out the door. People love it. Well, how about this? We're talking about you know a six, seven, eight hundred dollar iPhone. How about a fifty dollar iPhone? Fifty dollars for the the original iPhone three G running out the door in a refurbished status from AT and T right now. I, I can't even imagine how it just it blows me away. I mean, I, I kind of figured this would be coming. I mean, we were talking about two hundred dollar original iPhones and then brought down to one hundred and fifty dollars when they were sent back refurbed. But bringing the phone now down to a hundred dollars and then down to fifty with a re- on a refurb status, I mean that's I, I don't. Why would you not buy one of these almost at this point? You know, I mean it's if you're looking for a media device, it, it is it, it doesn't get much better than this. I say that, and I'm going to throw in one more thing here that's going to completely contradict that, and that's that if you are looking to pick one of these up and you have got the means to do it, the extra hundred and fifty dollars to get yourself the iPhone 3GS 
is totally worth it. The the upgrades in the speed of the processor, the amount of memory that's built into the device. If you're looking to get a 16 gig model, obviously that's you know at a, the $200 price point. Uh, the compass that's built in now, the 7.2 H- megabit per second HSDPA that will be coming online very soon with AT&T. Uh, the b- enhanced camera, the video recording capabilities, the extended battery life. I could go on and on. It's worth the $150. It is a completely different phone, in my opinion. And, and of course, to overall, the total cost of ownership over that two-year contract, that's, that's a drop in the bucket, Yes, that extra $150. Bucks. Which, and it's well, 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 well worth that extra upgrade yeah, to get it, that. I would say almost anybody you talk to, any you know people you listen to talk about these that have done any sort of test side-by-side will probably agree with this. It is definitely worth your time. Uh, and your money and your the mindset to get the upgrade if you have the means. Let me just put it that way. The original iPhone is still a very capable device. Uh, it still works very well for most people. In fact, I've got you know I've got a lot of friends and family who still use this. So don't don't discount it completely. I'm just saying for I think it's sixteen hundred dollars or something like that is like the bottom of the barrel plan. The the amount that you can spend over the two year contract and getting yourself an iPhone. You know, this is, we're talking about another $150, and if you can do it, do it. But $50 for an iPhone. I was thinking about this, about if you go and sign up for a new line of service and get one of these and then cancel the service right away, you've essentially got a phone, an iPhone 3G, which is an iPod, 8 gigabytes for $250, which you could then take and unlock and use it anywhere for $250. That, to me, could be worth you know your time to do it. I can see potentially people doing that and taking this over to T-Mobile or exporting it or doing whatever they want to do because 50 bucks and you get a 90 day warranty with it. So you have any problems, take it back to Apple to give you a new one. So anyway, uh, enough about the iPhone. Let's move on. Palm pre now available from sprint online. You can pick it up $200. That's still with a $100 mail in rebate and a $250 instant savings, regular price of the phone, $550. Just kind of as a side, there was some stuff floating around today, the 26th of July, on a $99 pre from Best Buy. Those are all complete rumors. Don't believe them. It was a misprint on some Best Buy literature. It is $199 still. But in this uh, particular story, we're talking about buying it from Sprint Online. Don't have to go to a store. You can just order it up. It'll be shipped right out to you. Some other Windows Mobile news. HTC's Touch Pro 2, now with a 3.5 millimeter headset jack. Uh, This is big news coming from TELUS. If you're a TELUS uh, subscriber and you want to pick up a Touch Pro 2, it does have a 3.5 millimeter headset jack. As a departure from the Touch Pro 2s on any of the other networks available right now, you have to set up yourself with an adapter that goes from the hexed, or excuse me, hexed USB jack or mini USB jack, whatever you want to call it, down to a three and a half millimeter uh, uh, adapter. So, uh, nice news there if you're a telesubscriber. Touch Pro 2 and Snap also headed to US Cellular. $70 mail in rebates are showing up now on the rebate forms that are getting sent out to customers which looks like you'll be seeing these very soon. So good news for the U.S. Cellular subscribers. Also, the TELUS customers that want to get that Touch Pro 2 with the 3.5mm headset jack, it is now available apparently at Best Buy, although TELUS has yet to confirm any pricing, let alone a launch date for the phone. Uh, head over to Best Buy if you're up in Canada and you're looking to pick one of these up. 249 bucks. You can add it to your cart. I don't know if you can check out, but you can at least add it to your cart. Toshiba's TG01 back on sale in O2 Germany after an unexplained virus hit many of the units that were shipped over the first week of availability for the device. Anyway, it got uh, fixed and now they're back online. So check that out. Rumor time here. HTC's Leo 
could be the next device that could be coming from the uh, carrier that makes, or excuse me, the provider that makes all the HT uh, Windows Mobile devices that we seem to love these days. The TouchFlow 3D on the 2.5 uh, Manila ROM could be uh, the, the uh, ROM that it's running here with full QWERTY keyboard that slides out kind of like a laptop. It almost reminds me of anything you'd see on uh, like the one that it reminds me of the most is the E90. So if you're a Nokia fan, you know the E90. This has got an external QVGA display with an internal 16 by 9 WVGA display. It's got a Snapdragon processor. And uh, again, very rumored, but this was known as the Omni at one point, and uh, it looks like it could be um, it could be something that we see here very soon. Uh, also, we are talking about another device called the Firestone, which looks very much like the Diamond. If you're a Snapdragon lover, you want that faster processor on the device. The uh, Firestone here is a quad-band edge device with dual-band HSDPA. Uh, it's got a 4.3-inch WVGA display that's capacitive. Uh, that's a departure from what we've seen with all the other HTC devices with the resistive screens. Windows 6.5, Wi-Fi, GPS, uh, 3.5 millimeter headset jack, 5 megapixel autofocus camera with a dual LED flash, 512 megabytes of flash memory, 320 of RAM, micro SD card support with a 1230 milliamp hour battery in that small size of the diamond. You could be looking at this as kind of the, the big splash that HTC uses to really jump back into the Windows Mobile game when 6.5 comes out. So I'll be keeping my eye closely on that one. FCC approving the TG-01 from Toshiba with CDMA radios on board. The TG-01, of course, the first phone with the Snapdragon processor from Qualcomm. It also has a 4.1-inch WVGA display running Windows 6.1 and will have a customized user interface. Original specs of the device had it with HSDPA, and of course, this is for the CDMA carriers here in the U.S., like Sprint or Verizon, so we could see it here on one of our carriers very soon. The Omnia 2 passed the FCC this week as well, but it was set to be going, at least in the rumor mill, to AT&T. Well, it looks like it's not actually going to AT&T after all. The i800L model number and the Spanish labeling might have given it away, but no one seemed to look at that when they first talked about it, and it appears now that it's going to the Latin American providers. Next, the Garmin Asus finally shipping the Nuvi phone. Garmin Asus confirmed that the long-delayed Nuvi Phone G60 will go on sale July 27th, that's tomorrow, in select Asian markets. This G60 was first announced in early 2008, seeing numerous delays over the last year. It is scheduled now for availability in the U.S. sometime between now and the end of the year. Windows Mobile could be showing up at the new Windows stores quite prominently. A lot of speculation over what's going to go into the Microsoft upcoming retail stores. Uh, Looks like now we're going to see stores that are taking the best elements from the Apple Store, the Sony-style store, and other flagship stores that are around the country, focusing on Windows 7, the Xbox, the PC TV, or the Windows Media Center, the Microsoft Surface Table Unit, and Windows Mobile. It will all revolve around the concept customer that they're calling Emily, who is a younger version of one of the, I guess, any of our mothers, I guess is what they're saying, the people that make all the buying decisions in the home. So we'll be looking to find out what Windows Mobile actually means in these stores when they get their first ones rolled out, which we should expect in the next two months. 
AT&T's HP IPAC K3 Obsidian is now shown in the flesh. The IPAC K3 Obsidian made an appearance uh, back on some leaked uh, documents that HTC had let out uh, back at the beginning of the year. This one now has an AT&T brand on it, running Windows Mobile 6.5 supposedly, with a 2.46-inch AMO LED touchscreen with a 320 by 240-pixel display resolution. 528 megahertz processor, GPS, 3.2 megapixel camera with Wi-Fi, and uh, basically everything else that you'd expect in a Windows mobile device. Should be coming to AT&T very soon here, at least according to the pictures here that show uh, AT&T branding on it. And it does have a touchscreen on it because it does come with a stylus. Some BlackBerry information, the BlackBerry Storm price dropping to $100 on contract. If you want to pick up your Storm from a Verizon store, you can do so for just 100 bucks now, which pushes us to the next story talking about the BlackBerry Storm 2 demoed on video by CrackBerry.com. We've got a nice unlocked show coming up for you in a couple of weeks with one of the hosts from CrackBerry talking about this device having a sure press click, but only when the screen is on. So it looks like they're going to stick with the sure press screen, but it doesn't click unless the device is actually powered on. So not really sure how they're doing that one, but you can watch it in action on a video here from CrackBerry. I wonder, I didn't watch the video yet, but is that like a, a vibrate haptic feedback sort of? Uh... That's, that's what's strange because it kind of looks like it when the, when the screen is off, it's like it doesn't push down. It doesn't click at all. It's like a solid piece of glass. And then once you power it up, then it clicks. And it, it, from the video, it looks like it's actually going down and clicking. So I'm not sure if they've got the mechanism now where it's only active basically. And maybe they were having problems with people getting their screens activated by pockets or who knows i don't know uh, but anyway you can see it in action it's the 9550 and it is the uh, known as the storm 2 so kind of good news there next on blackberry's list the 8520 coming to vodafone uk we talked about it that uh, it could be coming to t-mobile this is the lower end blackberry that uh, you're going to be wanting to take a look at if you're looking to get a your hands on one that's got a lower price point but also has that optical keypad or not keypad the optical uh, trackpad on it where you don't have the scroll ball in the middle anymore it's going to have the the same essential uh, specs as a lot of the devices right the blackberries right now uh, but it's going to be at a price point that we're expecting to be below 100 dollars. t-mobile's rumored launch date now is october 5th and it could be coming to the Vodafone UK uh, site as well. Uh, don't have a date, though, released for it. Uh, it will be a non-3G smartphone, so make sure you're okay with that. It will have Wi-Fi, though, so you can take advantage of it when you're in your home. Nokia's N86 headed to U.S. flagship stores. They announced it this week that it will support U.S. 3G networks throughout uh, the U.S. and uh, will have New York and Chicago flagship stores offering the device with an 8-megapixel camera integration with Nokia's Avi services, $558, and will be available very soon. A couple of interesting trademark applications this week from Nokia. First off, the C-Series and the X-Series. No other information at this point, but we could be seeing some new devices with these trademarks. The 6760 Nokia slide messaging phone is uh, was announced this week. The new phone targeted to those who have their phones primarily for messaging and accessing social networking services. The 6760 slide is a world variant of the recently announced Surge, a slider that has a full QWERTY keyboard. The biggest difference between the 6760 and the Surge is that the 6760 slide steps up the camera to 3.2 megapixels, and Nokia says that the device will come with the Avi messaging services supporting push email and Google Talk with Windows Live Messenger in IM services as well. 
quad band GSM and Edge, 921 megahertz CDMA and HSDPA radios, GPS, flash enabled web browser, running S63 edition, available in the third quarter, $285. So, Android news the Motorola Morrison, a pretty good indication that we could be seeing the Android device from Motorola with a leaked out picture this week showing the Android based device. Uh, doesn't look like there's much information to talk about at this point other than it's a sideways sliding QWERTY keyboard. However, it does not uh, tilt up or uh, slide up in any sort of fashion that gives it a, the screen a tilt. Expanse is leaking the Sony Ericsson Android handset known as the Xperia X3. According to Expanse, the X3 is a slim monoblock device, 4 inches, 800 by 400 pixel touch display, quad band edge, and dual band HSDPA was with Bluetooth 2.1, A2DP, Wi-Fi, AGPS, an 8 megapixel camera with autofocus, LED flash, face detection, and smile shot, records VGA video, 30 frames per second, have a media player with a 3.5 millimeter stereo headset jack and support for micro SD cards. The Xperia 3 will run on Android and will also take advantage of Sony Ericsson's 3D panel user interface. However, Sony Ericsson has not officially announced or acknowledged the phone, just what we've seen from Expansus. Cellular South announced this week the first hand or the, a new handset coming to their network, the first Android operating system one from Google. Cellular South noted that the Android-based phone will be integrated into Cellular South's Discovery Center with Android Market and the Cellular South. Uh, other media services. Cellular South uh, said that it will reveal more information such as the sale date, pricing, manufacturer, model, and other features in the near future. The HTC Hero on sale now at Orange UK. So if you're over in the UK, you can pick yourself up a Hero. Uh, you can do so over at this the uh, provider site or by stopping into an Orange store. A number of new low and mid-range handsets coming to Verizon, including uh, notably the Palm Trio 800W on this list, seeming a, ver- a little bit strange. Verizon, uh, I don't know why they would want to pick up this device, but uh, may not have it out until early 2010. Obviously a very strange move. This device has been out for with Sprint since last summer, so I'm not sure why they would be looking to do so. Yeah, why wouldn't they get the uh, Trio Pro? I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I mean, this is again, we're talking about rumored lists and whatnot, but uh, you know, some of these seem to come true. So I'm not really sure. A couple of new push to talk handsets as well, but all pretty low and mid range uh, models. So we'll, we'll take a look at it in the show notes if you're interested in specifics. Cricket offering a tri band text mate QWERTY phone, the personal communications device known as the Text M8 or Text Mate, a messaging phone with a full QWERTY keyboard, tri band CDMA radios. It has Cricket's customizable home screen, letting users access web content such as the weather and news, 1.3 megapixel camera, stereo Bluetooth, music player, and support for micro SD storage cards. Available at Cricket for $160. It's almost the pre. <laughs> it kind of is the pre. <laughs> Not really. It kind of looks like it, but <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, T-Mobile picking up a couple of new Samsung devices, the Comeback and the Gravity Two. Uh, in addition to the new handsets, the the gra- the excuse me, the Comeback and the Gravity share a number of features. Both have quad band GSM and Edge radios, as well as seventeen hundred megahertz three G radios in them. GPS, stereo Bluetooth, two megapixel cameras, video capture, and support for micro SD cards up to sixteen gigs. 
They both also have messaging keys dedicated on them. The comeback also has messaging uh, features such as two displays, numeric keypad, and a sideways flip that reveals a QWERTY keyboard available July 22nd for $130. The Gravity 2 is a messaging phone that has a sideways slider with a full QWERTY. It will be available in August, no pricing yet determined. Samsung announced this week the S9110, a touch-based dual-band GSM GPRS watch phone. It's an 11.98 millimeter thick uh, watch that has uh, a thin profile to advanced surface mounting technology. The 9110 is a 1.76 inch TFT anti-scratch touch display featuring Bluetooth 2.1 MP3 player, speakerphone, voice memos, voice recognition, and support for Outlook email. The 9110 will be available in France later this month for $640. Dick Tracy called... He wants his watch back. Boost Motorola i465 clutch getting redone in graphite and available next Tuesday on the Boost network. This is the first QWERTY keyboard coming to the Boost network, and they're looking to get it for get it out to you for $129. So messaging, if it's your key thing, this is going to be the device for you. Some software news, the Motorola Q9H getting a ROM update, not Windows 6.5, not Wi-Fi, and no Windows Mobile Marketplace. It's just an update. ROM update for the Altel Touch Diamond resolves potential activation issues, resolves a fix for auto-dialing while in contacts. Opera browser software has been upgraded to the latest version and includes additional miscellaneous bug features available from the HTC site. The Nokia 5800 Express Music firmware update could be coming soon to the 5800 devices, and there's some rumors of what could be uh, in it, notably kinetic scrolling, improved camera performance, enhanced home screens like the N97, and improved response time. Uh, Make sure that uh, you keep an eye on this if you're a Nokia user and you've got the 5800, because it could be coming soon. Well, if you're a public radio lover, a new version of the iPhone application has been released from publicradiotuner.org. It has added podcasts and downloads for almost all major shows, including important additions that will only increase the usage of this application if you're interested. Check it out over in the iTunes store. The T-Mobile G1 received a very minor over-the-air update described as permission fixes and other bug fixes, so very nondescript. Get it over the air on your G1. Nokia quietly updated its files on Avi service for uh, making it now free, no longer requiring users to pay for it. The service allows Avi customers to transfer up to 10 gigs of files on Avi servers. The files can be retrieved from either the phone or the PC, providing automatic backups of some folders if users wish, and can be used to access files that reside on the PC and not on Avi servers. Uh, RIM bringing desktop media syncing to or syncing to Macs. Uh, RIM announced plans to offer the new version of the BlackBerry desktop software for Apple computers starting next month. And at the moment, BlackBerry software will only work on Windows-based PCs. RIM said that app, the Apple version of the software will support most of the features, including iTunes playlist syncing, calendar contacts, notes, and tasks, rem- adding or removing applications, updating devices with new software and backing up and restoring devices automatically uh, and with scheduled backups and managing multiple devices. It will work with Apple computers running OS X 5.5, excuse me, 10.5.5 Leopard and up. Google offering updates to Maps and YouTube for Symbian users. 
Google provided updates for the versions on the Symbian devices for both products uh, that now give the ability to add layers. Layers can contain different maps, such as transit maps, personal maps that the user has previously saved, and can also be synced with uh, between the desktop version of Google Maps and the mobile version of the, on the Symbian handset. The new version of the YouTube client is compatible with S65th edition, which can be used by handsets such as the Nokia N97 and 5800 Express Music. Users still won't be able to log into their accounts, but the player has added several other functions. Uh, the BlackBerry OS 5.0 leaked out for the Storm 9530. So if you uh, want to live on the wild side and you want to get yourself the newest version of the BlackBerry OS, you can do so on the Storm from a link in the show notes. Palm makes fixes on the WebOS 1.1 and released it for the pre. It also has said that the new WebOS software will fix the support for iTunes syncing. Also, WebOS 1.1 bringing NF, uh, Sprint's NFL application, as well as a number of fixes and updates to existing applications, such as the calendar, camera, clock, contacts, email, messaging, phone, system software, and web browser. So pretty much everything on the phone. The fix for the iTunes sync comes with the official change log that's been assembled, excuse me, the unofficial change log that's been assembled, talking about all the different things that it can do. And Palm now reaching out and saying that Apple is abusing the USB ID in iTunes, stating that it had to restore how iTunes syncing was done on the pre and accusing Apple of abusing the standard to keep other devices out from syncing with its software. Company spokeswoman Lynn Fox told All Things D yesterday that Palm filed a complaint uh, with the USB Implementers Forum over Apple's use of the vendor ID number. The specific issue isn't stated, uh, but it implied that Apple is misusing the ID check to prevent all non-Apple devices from appearing in iTunes. We've talked about this one, Joey, and I, I really have a kind of a going back and forth in my mind about this where, you know, Palm's got, you know, this idea of, well, you know, everybody should be able to sync their device with the software that they have because what it's you know vastly popular and everyone's using it and apple is saying look we've got this piece of software that we're trying to control what's syncing with it and you know we're going to keep updating it so i don't know you know i'm I'm pretty much torn with it right now yeah no there's no clear uh, there's no clear answer but i don't think they're gonna get that far here with the uh, usb standard company uh saying that apple uh you know can can restrict their software down to apple only devices saying that's a violation of the open openness standard of uh the usb uh, standard, which I mean, that would be great if they if they could say that, but I just don't think they're going to get anywhere on that. No, I don't either. I don't either. But you know, the uh, Apple hasn't commented on it, so we'll see what happens with it. Look, for, maybe for iTunes OS eight one point two or something like that to be released here this week that breaks it again. I don't know because you know we talked about it last week in the change log for that particular update for the iTunes. It said that you know it was done to help specifically authorize you know appropriate. Apple devices or something like that, which basically was, you know, sticking it right in the face of Palm and doing this. And, you know, we talked about licensing. Is this something that is going on with the licensing of uh, how this is done? Obviously, BlackBerry can do it. They allow for syncing of the media on your BlackBerry with iTunes. So maybe it's something Palm is yet to do or is refusing to do that Apple is asking them. So I don't know. We'll just have to see what happens with that one if they get anywhere with it. 
Also in software here, Google releasing Latitude for the iPhone, but it's a web app. Uh, basically, Latitude's service allows you to uh, set up friends that can follow you on a map to find out exactly where you are at any given point with this service. Uh, it's a little uh, big brotherish, but it allows for, you know, like I said, for very specific people that you set to see where you are on a map. Um, and Joey, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you happen to take a look at the email that I sent to you, because I actually, I set you up as someone who could see me on Latitude. What did it come through as? What did you see? Uh, it showed me a little map, and it just showed me basically where you were at at that moment, I, I believe. Okay. Um, so kind of at your house. Okay. Interesting. Well, obviously, if you were to log into google.com slash latitude, and you would go into friends, and you could, I guess, see where I am. But the way that this works as a web app is you actually have to go to your browser, launch this particular, you know, website, because it's a web 2.0 app, and then it updates it. It's not like, you know, running in the background on your device and constantly updating where you are, which I guess is a good thing, because it'll save you some battery life. But I, I just, I don't, I just don't really see it as being extremely useful. Why can't I just send you a text and say I'm here? You know, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like a novelty technology that we decided that we needed to see. You know, we've got, you know, GPS in our phones. Let's just see where people are at any given time, you know, on a map or whatever. I don't know. Useless to me, but maybe somebody's interested in it. Uh, Motorola announced Moto Dev this week. It's calling this an advanced set of Android development development services including the App Accelerator program and Moto Dev Studio for Android Beta, along with other tools that developers will need to create applications for future Motorola handsets running the Android platform. The App Accelerator program specifically will let select developers create and submit their apps and get an early lead on Motorola's Android devices and carrier app stores. It will also give them the, uh, them access to the newest development, developing tools as they become available. Moto Dev Studio for Android Beta is an Eclipse-based development environment that provides developers with handset emulators, virtual testing labs, application creation wizards, uh, frequently used code templates, and access to Motorola's marketing and distribution channels. Motorola announced that it will be uh, hosting an Android development conference this October where they'll be showing off all of these services. And finally, Google releasing donuts. Hmm to application developers of the Android service. The Donut, or uh, version 2.0 of the Android software, has been uh, released to developers. So uh, check, <laughs> check this one out. I just can't get over that they're calling it Donut. I guess it's you know makes about as much sense as, what they call the last one, Cupcake? Cupcake, so, yeah. The next know. one's going to be called Flan, and another one's going to be another dessert uh, tasty treat <laughs> after that as well. So. Maybe Twinkies or something. <laughs> anyway, a lot of fun different things. A bunch of new widgets, including a welcome home screen toggle for things like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, GPS, and screen brightness look to be included. Also, CDMA radio support, as well as many other call setting menu items as well. Let's talk about some questions and comments here today. First off, we've got a voicemail from Michael. Hello, this uh, is Michael from Fresno, California. This is for the Cell Phone Junkie podcast. Mickey and Joey, you guys do a fantastic job. I just wanted to say that. I have a question regarding using Skype over a Windows mobile cell phone. Um, I'm likely going to be getting the Touch Pro 2 pretty soon with T-Mobile. And I know that sometimes I've had difficulty getting a cell phone signal in my house. And I'm wondering if it is possible to use Skype over uh, over Windows Mobile, I'm pretty sure you can. But I'm wondering, uh, 
I'm wondering how that works with Windows Mobile, and I thought I've heard somewhere where it actually still charges minutes to your to your plan, but it is going over uh, the VoIP, uh, over the uh, Wi-Fi. So could you tell me a little bit more about how that works, and if you think uh, that might work if you if you have a poor cell phone signal in your home? Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right, Michael, thank you very much for your voicemail. Thanks for those great uh, comments on the show. Uh, we do appreciate your support and, and for calling in and letting us know. Uh, so your question on Skype and Windows Mobile, you know, I think Windows Mobile, uh, when you when you look at it as a whole, is probably one of the more flexible platforms that's out there. And, and the other guys are catching up to them, but they are kind of the, you know, the ones that came out with the ability to use Skype kind of you know, at the forefront of things. And so to answer your question uh, shortly, absolutely Skype will work on your device. Um, you know, how, how will it work uh, as far as the usability of it? If you're on Wi-Fi, I would say you'll be pretty impressed with the service. You launch the Skype application on, your, on the TouchPro 2 if that's what you decide to go with. And you'll be able to send and receive messages, make phone calls. Um, if you're logged on, you'll be able to receive Skype calls or make free Skype calls. Do whatever you want, and it, it works really well. I mean, honestly, there's there's a lot of you know good things with it um, on the Wi-Fi network. If you get the de- the device um, or you get a 3G enabled device, then you're probably going to be able to do some of these similar things that I just talked about. But um, it, it does get a little choppy over edge. I'm not going to lie; the the latency is kind of a problem. Um, but when I had the Trio. Uh, 750 uh, with AT&T. I was using that on the 3G network and was able to easily make calls, uh, Skype calls, send and receive calls over Wi-Fi, um, or not over Wi-Fi, over the 3G network with no problems at all, and uh, it worked quite well, actually. Uh, It does charge you for data. It's not minutes, so if you have an unlimited data plan, you shouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, There's no minutes involved with that, so have at it, do whatever you got to do and enjoy. So hopefully uh, that answers that question for you. But yeah, Skype does seem to work just fine for that. They're coming up with quite a you know good amount of application uh, or OS support with their application. Skype has really reached out to pretty much all the OSs and has done really good now. So next one here is a question from Kim. And Kim says, if you call a U.S. mobile phone from a European home phone, who pays? I am not sure what criteria are important. Can you please guide me? Thanks for your help. Thanks, Kim. All right, Kim. Well, I'm guessing you're calling. You're mentioning uh, this in calling from uh, a European, obviously a European home phone. So you're talking about from Europe. Uh, in the U.S. here, pretty much exclusively, everybody pays for every call made or received. Um, there are a few. Uh, we'll just say, you know things that are not in there. I mean, there's, we had this thing called first incoming minute free for a while, which I know some people still have on their plans, but other than, and maybe some free incoming calls, but it, it's very, very rare. I would say just make the assumption that if you call the U.S. mobile phone, that person is paying for it as well. Uh, that's just kind of the way it is. So, um, unfortunately <laughs> you got to deal with that. It's just how we do it here. Uh, but yeah, I know certainly incoming calls in Europe were free and, uh, uh, so that's kind of a nice thing. So anyway, hopefully that answers that. Next one is a comment from uh, Andreas, and he says, you guys should check out Fast Finger for the iPhone. It's a new way to type on the iPhone screen that isn't that bad. As you may have gathered, this email is written using it. You type on the screen with your fingers and then copy it into other apps. It is brilliantly designed and quite uh, the novelty. Now, I just read you 
uh, some text that uh, Andreas had actually sent me with, which was basically a, a big long photo uh, of all this text. And he used his finger to write on his iPhone screen. And I got a picture literally of him kind of like inking on a screen, like how you would do it on a tablet. It's quite wild, actually kind of an interesting thing. Uh, and then, so I asked him the question, you know, when did you do this? How long did it take you? You know, stuff like that. And he said, I was lying in bed when I did it and I was, uh, it took, uh, so it took quite a while, but nothing that horribly long. It's nice for personal emails uh, and such, but since it's not actually text recognition, I don't think it would be all that useful. Still a nice concept and the implementation is far uh, from uh, as weird as and slow as it first seemed, even though it's not that useful, it's still a rather interesting new approach to touch screens. Capacitive screens kind of broke the whole handwriting recognition thing that PDAs used to have. I guess this is as close as anyone has gotten to a replacement. So uh, check that one out. Fast finger for the iPhone. <laughs> you can write on your screen and I don't know. I won't be using this one, but whatever. It's kind of an interesting thing. I, I, it's fun to see, I guess. You know, it's these these new kind of like tinkering type technologies where you can actually see something, you know, proof of concept that you can use to do th- certain things. I guess that's kind of a good whatever. Comment from Franklin. He says, guys, first of all, happy birthday. I believe that I have been a listener for about two and a half years and I've enjoyed every minute. I listen to the podcast and coming and going to work and you guys make the crowded New York transit bearable. All the best, Franklin. Well, Franklin, thank you very much for that. Thanks for the birthday wishes. We're now three weeks or three years and one week old now with show 165 here. And uh, no plans on stopping. So you'll be able to listen to your, uh, your cell phone junkie shows on your commute for a long time to come. Comment from Roger says, Mickey, great unlock show number 26. I don't have an iPhone, but I still enjoyed the show. Can't wait to get one someday. I have to say that PodTrapper is still the best way to get my podcasts, and you can also set it up to download them automatically every single day. This is a PodTrapper for the BlackBerry, for those that are uh, unaware of this. I don't even have to think about it anymore. They're just there. Also, I wanted to let you know that I downloaded the MediaFly, uh, or MediaFly, and it's very nice, but I can only stream podcasts to the BlackBerry. I do like some of what iTunes and Audible has done, and you can set up your channels on your computer, and it automatically appears on the phone. Also, if you have listeners who listen to Mediafly, you can let them know that they can rate each show right under the My Channel. Great shows. Keep up the great work. Roger Q from New York. Well, Roger, of course, thanks as always for your support of the show. Thanks for writing in. And uh, that's great. PodTrapper is a good application for podcast support. So if you want to listen to the Cell Phone Junkie on your BlackBerry, check out PodTrapper. Uh, there's also the latest crackberry.com podcast. Talk to the developer, one of the developers of the program. So if you're interested in what they have to say about their application, you can listen to that one. And finally today, a voicemail from Sean. Mickey and Joey, congratulations on your uh, three-year anniversary in the Cell Phone Junkie. This is Sean Roberts. Uh, you guys have an excellent podcast. One of the things I've always liked about it is the super high quality of the audio curious if you could spend just a few minutes either on this show or some other show talking about the equipment that you're currently using obviously you use some high quality stuff so keep up the good work and love the show thanks hey sean thank you very much for the comment about the quality it's one of the things that uh, we think sets us apart from really any other podcast out there right now is the quality of the show that we put out and and so we do definitely uh, appreciate the recognition uh, so what do we use? I know we've talked about this before, but I'm going to go through it again. Uh, the way that I have my setup done 
is I use for the recording of it. We'll start at the the the, the end, uh, and that's a MacBook Pro, and uh, it works quite well uh, through a program called Audacity. And Audacity allows me to record the program, then export it to a WAV file. So I'm keeping the quality of the show very much intact. And uh, then I take and I run some tools over it, namely Levelator, which gets all my levels to the same you know point. And then I do some different uh, noise cancellation work on it, as well as actually doing some different things with the sound quality to make it sound the way that it does. So I think it comes out in a very nice, uh, you know, kind of warm, rich tone. Uh, but that is all coming from uh, what's on the other end, and that is a microphone. Uh, that I purchased back about six months ago from a company called Sterling Audio, and it's the Sterling Audio ST79. This is a high-end um, condenser microphone. It's got uh, multiple modes on it that allows me to use it the way that I'm doing right now and uh, talking into one specific side of it. It also has kind of a, a way that you can set it to, to re- record in a figure eight pattern, so you can actually have two people recording kind of on either side of the microphone talking at each other, and it just records that, but it still is only in a certain pattern so it doesn't pick up extraneous noises and i'm using that to connect to the the macbook pro with a product from mxl called the mic mate pro and that plugs directly into the xlr port on the bottom of this uh, st79 then i've got an adapter uh that plugs into what's uh, the mini usb on the uh, end of the mic mate pro that then connects to a usb cable and a regular full-size usb cable that then routes down a scissor arm that i have and plugs into the MacBook Pro. Uh, for headphones, I've got a set of uh, Shure Audio. Uh, Joey, I don't. What, what are these? The SC2s or SC3s or something like that? I don't remember their models. I really don't. Yeah, so I, I can't remember what they are. It doesn't really say on them, but or maybe it does. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but I've got their in-ear headphones. And that's what I use to monitor the whole thing. And uh, like I said, record with Audacity. We do the conversation over Skype. We actually do a video call every week. That's what allows us to keep in sync so well so we can actually see each other. And it's like we're in the same room uh, while we're actually 2,000 miles apart. So that's what I'm using. And uh, then every week I use the Audacity program to combine Joey's track. And Joey's going to talk to you in just a second about what he uses. But he will upload his track to me. I will take that track. I will put them together. I will add all the effects through the magic of podcasting convert to an mp3 upload it boom it's on the web so it's a pretty easy process um i've over the years upgraded very significantly i first started with a desktop old hp computer that seemed to work just fine with uh just the standard little microphone that you got the cheapy you know five dollar microphone to what i've got now so it's a it's a pretty big jump but uh, i think the audio quality is definitely uh you know it warrants the, the cost of what it is. So it's it's a lot of fun. So that's what I use. Well, Mickey, uh, my setup is uh, very similar with, with the exception that I, I, I go mostly analog through all my processing uh, up until the very end. So I have a Rode NT2 microphone um, that feeds into a uh, uh, mixer, uh, Behringer, a small little mixer, and um, that I can mix up multiple sources together if uh, need be. Normally it's just me, so it's not... Uh, really used to too much of its capacity, and then I feed it into a, a Behringer uh, VX2000 um, specialized uh, voice compressor, uh, which has a lot of different uh, vocal-specific uh, processing capabilities on it for, um, you know, mainly voiceover work and, uh, you know, singing sort of applications is what it's really uh, designed for. 
uh, that then gets uh, fed into the computer and gets sampled. Uh, and I record it with uh, something similar to Audacity. Uh, I'm using uh, SoundForge uh, at the moment. And basically I run uh, some other uh, uh, tools on there to get the levels to match yours, Mickey. And mm-hmm. uh, basically then I send the file over to you. It, in the, the bottom line is what we're doing is what's known in the radio industry as a double ender where you've got a recording done on either end of uh, the conversation. And so I, a lot of times what you'll hear in podcasting is someone on one end that's got pretty decent sound quality, where the, whether they've got a great microphone or not. But then on the other end, you've got someone on a Skype call or multiple people on a Skype call. And it, it does make it easy. And I don't discredit the content of what these podcasters do, because obviously a lot of it is very good. But just kind of in our you know, quest to make a really good show that that goes out with a very high quality sound level. This is the only way to do it. And if you ever want to know what it sounds like to not have us do it the way that we do it, occasionally on the Unlocked show we'll record and I'll have to do where I'm recording a Skype call because the other person on the other end either can't do it or it's just too difficult. Uh, sometimes when you have a lot of guests, I mean, you can imagine the nightmare that it would be to combine, you know, like five different audio streams and try and line up all the tracks and stuff. And it just, it would take forever. So sometimes it is necessary to record via Skype, but when there's just two people, it makes all the sense in the world to do it uh, the way that we do it. It it does take extra work. Um, obviously, I like I said, I have to do a lot of audio processing and lining up and stuff like that. But um, we think the the quality is about as good as you know one could hope for. Um, you know, so it's just a matter of uh, you know what we think is good, and you know we're podcast listeners, and so we want to make sure that what we put out is something that we would want to listen to. So that's kind of why we do it. And it's just fun. It's fun to kind of play with all these different things. And I was never really a radio guy. I know, Joey, you were. You you loved kind of like tinkering with all the stuff. And, you know, it's fascinating behind, you know, how radio stations work and stuff. Now I'm totally into it. I just, I absolutely love it. I, I think it's so much fun. You get to see, you know, I'm always looking at, you know, at pictures and stuff whenever I get to see stuff like Howard Stern or, you know, you know, any of the other, you know, big guys that are on the radio, Rush Limbaugh or whoever it is, whoever you know, you're interested in the NPR guys. Yeah. You know, I love looking at the pictures and uh, it, it's just fun. Cause you get to see their setups and how they, they do it. And it takes, you know, what we do takes quite a bit of, um, you know, posture and, you know, we're, we're not just like sitting in a room and leaning back and, you know, just talking. I mean, we're, you know, very, very close to these microphones are very sensitive pieces of equipment. And so a lot of fun and uh, you know, we think it brings out a great show. So that's why we do it. So Anyway, thanks very much to everybody who sent in their questions and comments. If you have any you'd like to get to us, send them in to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call to 206-203-3734 and we'll get you on the show. And Joey, thank you very much as always. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.